Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. My name is Eric. I am your host for the day. Today we have a guest named Dave Dubois. He is a meditation teacher, a psychedelic guide, and an integration coach. You can find out more about Dave at his website, which is radicalbalance.net. Now, he is helping me set up my own meditation practice. We are going to go over the small things that stop most of us from meditating. And we know through research, meditation is really beneficial for almost everybody. So this is important to me, and it's important to mental health in general. So with that being said, on to the podcast. I want to give my listeners kind of a why I'm doing this, yeah. right? I constantly am recommending mindfulness and meditation to my clients yeah, because it's research-based. We know it works. It has little to no side effects. So it's a really good, let's say, intervention that you can do for anxiety and depression and, yeah. and um, you know, hard thoughts. But what I'm realizing is that I don't really practice mindfulness and meditation a lot myself. So I don't want to be hypocritical in the sense like you should do this, but I'm not doing it. And so that's the goal of this whole series that we're going to create is to, so people can watch me go through the hiccups basically and see my mistakes and see, you know, how I proceed and, and tools and interventions and stuff that we can do to make the process better. So that's kind of why we're here today. Does that sound pretty good? Yeah, that does. So from me, from my standpoint, my meditation background is I've always had anxiety and depression most of my life, right? I do have a little bit of mindfulness and meditation reigning, I guess you would say, mm -hmm. in the beginning part of the pandemic and let's say June of 2020, I decided to try transcendental meditation. Yeah. So I went to a, what would you call him? A spiritual guide or a leader or a teacher. Yeah. I don't know what his title was actually. And he helped me with transcendental. He gave me a mantra, which I then repeated during the meditation, but it was limiting. I mean, he basically gave me this mantra and said, here you go, meditate twice a day, 20 minutes a day. And I did it for about a month and I think it did help, but then I just fell off and there was no support. Right? Yeah, And so what brought me here today is me and you did a podcast a little while ago, and I realized that I need that coaching aspect. I need that guide. I need that, hey, walk with me through this kind of feeling. So that's kind of where I'm here today. Where do you recommend we start? Well, first of all, I think that's an excellent motivation and intention that you bring to this. And also, I think the the regularity with which we're doing this is key. I think that what I hear most might have been lacking in that that experience that you just described is the the regularity of you had the regularity of practice twice a day. That's kind of an amazing place to start. But the regularity of being able to check in with a teacher and talk about your experience and get guidance is is not only crucial at the beginning, I believe, but also once a week as you and I are planning to, to do this for this podcast, I think is a perfect rhythm to get into where you've got seven days, you've got seven sessions to, to see what's going on, to, to try to figure out on your own what's going on and, and how you might improve things and to see what's just naturally aligning and improving, but then also to share your your trials and tribulations and obstacles that you're running into, because that's it's really in relating to those that the practice really begins to to sink roots. Yeah, and I mean, I want to share this with you too. I want to start slow, and I'm sure you're going to recommend that because the 20 minutes twice a day, it was overwhelming. It was like I think you told me before, it's like trying to run a marathon and just being like, I'm going to run, right? And you're running a marathon, and it's you're like, no, I should have started with a 5K. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I, I, I want to start kind of slow and small and, 
and build more of a habit around it than sprint that marathon and end up pooping out halfway through. That's right. I, I really do think that, I think this is actually true with running and exercise as well, but at the beginning, it is much more important to focus on getting there and the regularity of it and dealing with the obstacles to getting to the practice and starting the practice versus even worrying so much about what's going on in the practice. You, you know, in using a weight analogy, it kind of doesn't matter how much you're lifting at the beginning as much as getting to the gym each time on a regular basis. And that's what we'll, we'll spend the beginning part of this focusing on is not so much your meditation practice, but how to establish a practice. That's really the first step. I'm sure we'll talk about like how to deal with the self-judgment because that was yeah. hard with my first couple sessions. Uh, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? I'm not doing this right. I'm not, you know, I'm not cut out to do that. All those negative thoughts would pop up. Yeah, we'll talk about that. So we'll go through that. So what's my first step? Where do you want to start? Yeah, so I think the first step is just talking about how do you establish or reestablish a meditation practice? What does it look like to, to create that in your life? And the two things that I think are most important to focus on at the beginning is regularity and, and duration. And, and the, the hint, the spoiler around duration is that short is better at the beginning, for sure. I think that in terms of the regularity, daily really should be the goal. It's very difficult to establish a strong, useful meditation practice if you're not doing it every day. And in terms of duration, I think five minutes is great. I think less than that is not going to particularly be all that useful. But I think that 15 minutes once a day is at the upper limit of what I would recommend. I think Anything between, you know, five and 10 minutes once a day should be your aim at the beginning. And it may be like any, like starting anything else that for the, for the, at the beginning, you might not be hitting that seven out of seven days, but that you're, you're really aspiring to do that. And the first thing that we're going to want to talk about is, is how to establish this regularity and pick a duration that you're going to start with as well. Does allocating time for this each day feel like a, a doable thing for you right now? I'm committed. Yes. So absolutely. My, I have all these questions that are popping up, so I'm going to throw some out there. Yeah, that's great. Is it best for me? Like, let's say I, I was going to do five minutes a day. Is it better for me to do two minutes and 50 seconds and then two minutes and 50 seconds later in the day? The other question, is it best to do it in the morning when I first wake up? Should I do it at night? Should I just sporadically do it? I have all these questions like, do I yeah. sit and do it? Should I walk and do it? Should I focus on something? Guide me, teach me, where do I go? So in terms of the time of day to do it, there's a, a lot of recommendation and a lot of value in doing it first thing or early in the morning. But okay. that said, the only caveat I would give to that is I often say that the, the best practice is the one that you're going to do. And so if there's just some big obstacle in, in your or, or anyone's morning or state of mind or morning routine where it just feels like that's way less doable than some other time, it's, it's, it's really okay to, to, to practice whenever you'd like to practice. The one thing I would say that I've observed that's helpful in the beginning, it really does seem to be helpful to, to try to do it at the same time every day as you're establishing a practice. There's something about the regularity and the commitment and the time management that goes into doing that that seems to be helpful as opposed to i'm going to get this done at some point during the day it's kind of on my list and then i'll figure out when it happens it almost tends to get i've just noticed it seems to to take a back seat in terms of priority when you do that so having a, a regular time of day when you do it morning is uh, tends to be ideal and recommended and then that duration question that you asked, what if you can't find five minutes? What if, would it be better to split it into two, two and a half minute sessions? I think that five minutes for a beginner is a little bit of a sort of a magical number where it's, it's just long enough to, to try to get going and start to get going, but not so long that you burn yourself out. We all have 288 
five minute periods in each day that, that so it's, it's, it's sometimes hard. I, I like to challenge and push back on the idea that one couldn't find five minutes because you're finding five minutes for other things all, all the time. Yeah. I think that's a, a hurdle to overcome and to, to try to keep it at five minutes. Okay. The minimum. I, I like that. So let me repeat this back to you to make sure I'm yeah. understanding everything that you said. So regularity is important. If I can't do it in the morning, like let's say I have to get the kids together and it just doesn't work for my day, then I could push it later on, but it would be beneficial to try to do it, start off the day and then try to do it around the same time each day. That's kind of like carving out a space for you to say, this is designated. My time for meditation is better than kind of just willy nilly plugging it in as it fits. Right. I agree with that. So for me personally, I think what I'm going to do since what you just told me, I usually get up pretty early and I go for a walk. I think I'll do it before I go for a walk. That's before the kids are up. That's before the house even really starts because I get up before everybody. And I know I can carve five minutes out of my day. So I'm definitely committed to doing this in the morning for five minutes before I walk. That sounds excellent to me. Does that sound pretty good? Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, I think that sounds like a great plan. Next question is, how should I set my environment? Should I put my cats away? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that it's interesting. You and I have collaborated and worked together on, you know, with folks in, who are working with psychedelic therapy and psychedelic medicine. And a lot of emphasis is put on set and setting when discussing that topic. And I, we might not use the same terminology, but the same considerations are, are really important when talking about meditation. One recommendation if you can find it and if you've got it is to do it in the same place every day and to make that a place that is conducive to meditation and if you look at old meditation manuals there are even discussions about places that are and aren't conducive like they'll they'll even say things like don't do this right next to a door where people are constantly walking through all of the time and Find a place that is a little bit protected and where there aren't wild animals that have access to you while you're <laughs> things like that. Yeah. And and I think that you can you can uh, interpret that in contemporary terms to be finding a good quiet space in your home or or the workplace or wherever you're gonna be, where you are less likely to be interrupted by things, where there aren't distractions at arm's length. So that that's one thing around finding a place to do it. And then in terms of the, should I be seated in a chair? Should I be seated on the floor? Should I be laying on my back on my bed? Again, finding something that is comfortable and non-taxing for your body is important. There's nothing inherently magical or sacred or spiritual about sitting cross-legged on the floor. There are lots of good reasons if you can sit cross-legged on the floor to do it around your posture and your breathing and things like that. But my first meditation instruction, I got laying on, on the floor. And I think for the okay. first probably half year I was doing meditation, I was laying in my bed and doing it. And, and then I, at some point, moved and graduated, if you will, to, to doing it on the floor. And at times in my life, I've done it on a chair. I've done long meditation retreats where I started sitting on the floor and, and ended sitting in a chair because my body couldn't take it anymore. I think it's, okay. it's, it's important to listen to your body and not push it. And I'll, I'll give some pointers for sitting on a chair or on the floor because there are some, some commonalities between those that we could talk about. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. It's so funny because you said all this about setting intentions and set and setting, and it is so true. I didn't even think about it with, with meditation and mindfulness. So I think what I'm going to do is I have an area in my garage with a mat and I think I'm going to sweep that off, get that nice and clean. So it's kind of a welcoming area for me. And then I think, let's see, what do I want to do? I, I don't know about the sitting or the, I, I have a hard time sitting cross-legged to be honest with you. I'm sure. not very flexible. I, I could see five minutes. I could probably tolerate, but I wonder if I'm, I'm going to experiment between laying down and sitting there. I also have a chair that's there, so I might be able to use that. I've always heard you don't want to be too comfortable 
because then you can fall asleep. Is that something I have to worry about? I think falling asleep is always a risk when you're practicing meditation, especially as you start to settle and relax. I think that the main thing around posture and comfortability in my mind is around not slouching. It's, a, it's around not finding yourself in a position that makes it more likely to fall asleep or harder to pay attention to what's going on. There's a general recommendation to have your back straight, even if that's leaning against something, but straight and upright and not requiring strain or muscles to stay upright. There's a natural, okay. whether you're in a chair or you're seated on the floor, there's a natural curvature in the lower part of your back. And if you can let the, the support that that curve has be there for you so that you're not using your upper and lower back muscles to stay upright, then it becomes a position that you can be in comfortably for a while. But that can also take a while to, I think, build up the support muscles and find that. Yeah. And the flexibility, like I said, my, my legs that sit cross-legged are so tight. I need to do some stretching. But I think what I can do is I have a wall. I'll sit against that. I think that's where I'm going to try it. Yeah. And I'll mention about the flexibility. Just it's an interesting note. I, a long time ago, gave up on the idea that my legs would ever stop falling asleep when I sit on the floor to meditate because they just would seem to always fall asleep within a few minutes. And without trying to change anything or do anything, that went away after about 10 years, about 10 years into my meditation practice. It just seems that I could sit longer periods without my legs going to sleep and it's kind of stayed that way. So it's interesting how, how the body changes over time and how long it can take for, for the body to get used to something. Yeah. And, and how it just adjusts to the repetitive pattern kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Physical plasticity. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So my next step, so I'm going to pick early in the morning. This is my, my plan so far that we're kind of laying out. I think I'm going to do it before I walk. I have a spot in the garage that I'm going to set up. I'm going to get that cleaned over the next couple of days and have it nice and comfortable. I'm going to try sitting up and I'm going to try starting out for five minutes. Yeah. So that, that's the plan. Now do next step. Do I focus on my breathing? Right. Should I listen to music? How do I prime the pump or how do I, how do I start? Let's go with that. I think there's one more thing I wanted to say just about preparing your space, Okay, which is one of the great things about meditation versus something like cycling or something like that is that you don't need anything to do it. You don't need any particular extra props or, you know, other than maybe a couple cushions to, to support, you know, your, your butt and your back or whatever you need, you don't need anything else. So one question that I get from a lot of people at the beginning is, do I need something like a shrine or an altar or a candle or some incense or something else? And my answer to that is, that no, you don't need that. And it can be liberating for some people to not have to have anything other than just their body and their mind to sit down and practice meditation. But if it helps you overcome the obstacles in some way to getting to the meditation seat, then it can be a really good thing to just have a simple, a candle or a flower or something like that, that is kind of a, an extra preparation and intention that you've brought into your situation that can be like a little bit of a, a magnet that leads you back to the meditation cushion. In that case, the little bit of effort and, and materiality to make something like that happen can be worth it and important. So I just, I wanted to mention that as well. Never see you moving forward is good. Yeah. I'm glad you did mention that. Let me, another question pops up as you're saying that. So let's say I have to use a candle to get to meditate. Can I ever get dependent on that candle or is, is it better to use a candle in the beginning just to get you going or whatever, and then pull it away later? Is that a weird question? That's kind of a weird question. No. It's not a weird question. I think it's a great question. There's a famous story from the Tibetan tradition that I think illustrates probably how, how relevant and important this question is, which is there's a story that once there was a monastery and the main teacher in that monastery, whenever they would teach, they would have a, 
this cat that would just sit in their lap that they would pet. And then when it came time to meditate, they would put, you know, tie the cat up over in the corner or put it in a little bed or a crate or something like that. And that's just so it wasn't crawling over everyone. And then it's said that years later, the teacher died and another teacher came. And then when it came time to meditate, somebody said, well, wait, don't we have to tie the cat up in the corner? Like one of the first <laughs> thing that we do when you meditate is you tie the cat up in the corner. And so the point of this story is that anything can become that black cat where you suddenly think, oh, this is a thing that's required, but none of those things are actually required. And all of them could become obstacles and things that you attach to. And to the last part of your question, it actually is a good idea sometimes to pull away the supports that you have and see what impact that would have. See if it is, wow, is it just my obsession with this candle that's getting me to the cushion every morning or is it something else? Yeah, that's so interesting. What my brain goes to is Pavlov's dogs, right? Now that cat is basically the, the, the bell dinging saying, yes, it's time to eat or, right. you know. So I think in the beginning, I might need something to get me there. What, yeah, what do you recommend? Do you recommend an audio? Do you recommend focusing on the breathing? Do you recommend me bringing something in physically? What, what do you recommend to kind of get me to set the stage? Yeah, my recommendation and the way that I work with people who are learning and studying meditation is to have them start with a simple non-guided, which is to say you're not listening to music, you're not listening to somebody telling you what to do, form of meditation. And only in cases where after a long period of time that proves to be really complicated would I say, would I recommend that somebody starts working with guided meditations. I, I think that there are enough things in the world telling you what to think and how to think, and that one of the actual valuable parts of, of learning an open-ended meditation practice is to be relating to whatever the state of your mind happens to be at the moment. So we'll talk in just a second about the first things that you should do when you sit down and what the actual meditation instruction is. But my guidance is to have it be open-ended and without music or props. Okay. So without music, do you mean just like binomial beats? Do you mean like sounds or are you, are you going to point me in the right direction so I could find what you're suggesting? I mean that I'm recommending that you start without any of that. Okay. That, that you start without the inclusion of the only sounds that you would have would be whatever ambient sound happens to be taking place in your meditation space to be. Got with. it. Got it. Totally misunderstood that. So thank you for clarifying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So no like headphones, just whatever's going on. So if a car drives by, that's the sound. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. And then it's important how much we've talked at this point. It's almost important to notice and name how much we've talked at this point about things that we haven't even gotten to the starting the meditation practice. And, and this is totally normal and appropriate for the, for the fact of somebody starting a meditation practice because these are the pieces that are going to get in your way more than the actual technique at the beginning and they're the ones to focus on because again you're you're trying to build the regularity and just the discipline of it before you're really worrying about how focused or distracted your your mind happens to be so it's it's good to be talking at this level about about these these preparation steps yeah. that are that really go a long way towards helping you establish a practice absolutely and i think that was one of the hurdles that i ran into these little things weren't discussed so I just had to sit somewhere and then you're asking yourself, am I doing this right? Is this the right spot? Should I be sitting here? And that kind of interfered with me keeping, keeping going with the technique. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now what's next? Now we get to talk about the actual practice session where all of those things we've discussed have gotten you to the right place at the right time with the right things around you and Perfect. an absence of the wrong things around you. You don't need music or incense to begin with or anything like that. Now talking about the actual practice. Okay. So the two things I'd like to talk about with the actual practice, some very brief notes on posture because it's important and it's one of the first things to check in on. The very first things that you do when you sit down and then starting the practice. Okay. So in terms of the posture, as I said before, having your back upright and not strained and so that you can breathe easily is 
maybe the most important thing. Okay. Around having an upright back like that, whether you're sitting on the floor or whether you're sitting, you know, on, on the floor on a cushion or whether you're sitting in a chair, one thing to pay attention to is whether your knees are above, below, or level with your hips. Oh, okay. Didn't even think about this. And the reason for this is because if your knees are ever above your hips, it's going to make your lower back start to kind of bulge out. It's just a natural balancing response. And that will both cause strain over a period of time. And so I think that one of the most important things to just pay attention to, do you have that good natural curvature in your back? And if not, is that related to where your knees are? And the easy way to fix that is to just put another cushion underneath your butt. You just keep building yourself up to the height where your knees are just a little bit below your hips, you're going to be able to stay like that in a comfortable way for a much longer time. Okay. Got it. Good to know. I wouldn't have thought of that. I was just going to sit down and lean against the wall and you're right. I'm going to need a cushion or two and I'll have to sit and fill that out. And that's to open up, you said to kind of open up the air, not airway, but the lungs and have a full expanded chest. That's right. I feel like one of the signs that you, you can often find in popular culture for how little people understand or actually engage good meditation practice and posture is if you just do like a Google image search for meditation, you'll see all of these people seated cross-legged with their knees practically halfway up in this V shape. It would be impossible. We're un very uncomfortable to sit like that for, for more than about 60 seconds. You would never see an actual meditator in that kind of posture because there's just a a need for the the back to kind of be pulled forward a little bit by that good posture with the legs. And the second thing to just pay attention to as well is that that you're not leaning too far forward or leaning too far backward. You'd really like to have a balanced upright posture where your your shoulders are kind of in line with and above your hips. Okay. And one of the easiest ways to find that naturally is to just let your arms fall at your side just as they naturally would and to just lift them up just from the elbow and drop them on your thighs okay whether you're seated on the floor or in a chair that will allow you to be not leaning forward and not leaning backward okay to judge where your posture's at and if you're not too forward or backwards that's okay. right and then maybe the last thing i'd like to say about posture is about the eyes whether you want to have the eyes open or closed and that's really up to you i learned meditation with eyes open i think a lot of people learn meditation with eyes closed eyes closed there's a little bit more risk of falling asleep eyes open there's a little advantage to the fact that if you at some point in the future want to be practicing awareness and mindfulness in the moment while you are somewhere in the world you're already used to practicing with your eyes open and it's not a new trick to learn at that point but i really think even if your eyes are open you want to have them kind of downward almost like you were reading a book Okay. As opposed to like looking out and getting distracted by things. Okay. And that you're not particularly focusing on anything with your eyes. You're just letting whatever's there be there without whatever you're seeing, you're seeing, but you're not seeking anything out with your eyes. Okay. That makes sense. I've never actually tried it with my eyes open, so I'm, I never even thought to. I could see my brain wandering and being like, what is that? And then never really getting there. I'm afraid of that, but I think I'm going to try it with the eyes open because I get what you're saying. Stare kind of down, but not really focus on anything. So like just relax the eyes. And I like that. Do you ever recommend like an, this is a total tangent, like an eye mask for those people that want to keep their eyes closed? Or is that a bad idea? I think that sounds just fine. I, I, I can't say I've ever recommended it. One of the things that's interesting that an eye mask would give you in that situation is that you could have darkness and your eyes open, which is an interesting thing, or you could just have them closed without external light coming through. I don't think that there's any particular problem with having an eye mask. So I'm going to repeat this back for everybody. I'm going to go sure. early in the morning. I'm going to get my garage in a nice spot. I'm going to bring in a couple pillows to get my knees below my hips to get that nice open chest feeling. I'll test to kind of see if I'm leaning forward or back. 
And then I think I'm going to try eyes open for five minutes, no headphones and just ambient noise. Do I have that right so yes. far? That's kind of the plan That's for me. Perfect. Okay. And now that brings us to what you're going to do. Yes. This is the most exciting yes. part. Okay. Go for yeah. it. Okay. So the first step when you actually sit down is to actually, that, that I find it's really important and valuable to just take maybe a minute or two to do this before you quote officially start your meditation, okay. which is to again, check in with your motivation, check in with the why, why are you doing this? What brought you here? What is your, in, we would call this intention if we were working yeah. with somebody in psychedelic medicine and think of why one of the things that intention or motivation, checking in with that and clarifying that allows you to do is it allows you to be with challenging or uncomfortable moments in your experience and practice. And it, it gives you a reason why you're putting yourself in this situation to begin with. Oh, I, I really want to work on my anxiety or I want to work on my attention and not being distracted all the time. I want to be more capable of being in the present moment, or I want to discover who I really am and what the nature of my mind actually is. Spending just a moment checking in with that at the beginning is really, really important. And so I would say that that's the very first thing to do. Okay. That's brilliant. And then the very next thing to do, which feels connected to that as well, is to try to let be or let go of anything that's distracting as you're heading into the session. And what I mean by that is you're practicing in the morning. You conceivably have a whole busy day of work and life ahead of you. And it can be very easy the minute you sit down to just start thinking and worrying about all of those things. And so it can be a really helpful first step to take another minute and just say, all right, I've got work. I'm going to have to pick up the kids later today. I have all of these things to do. I know that I'm going to worry and think about those things later. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to set all that stuff aside right now. I, I, if any of that needs to be thought about, maybe I'll give it a second of thought right now and then realize that I'm just going to come back to all of that later. It's not what I'm going to focus on right now. I, I love that. I love that. Cause I know that, well, that happened to me in the past and I know it's going to happen to me this time. I'm going to sit down. That busy brain is going to be like, oh, you have X, Y, and Z to do. So you're kind of saying, just let the brain do that and then say, mm, okay, yeah. I can let that go now. I did it. Yeah. I'm done. Check off the list. Next. Give it a little taste of each one of those things. Okay. And, and then just remind it, yeah, that's, that's, we'll yeah. get to that later. That's not what we're going to do right now. Perfect. And I love the point about intentions. I mean, intentions with psychedelics is huge. We talk about that all the time. And I never really thought of it with meditation. I mean, I have a whole bunch of in intentions that now are popping up as you, you talked about it. You know, I want to be able to sit with some of my hard emotions. You know, I want to work through some of my anxieties and kind of just learn to be more present and let it kind of go. So yeah, I have some intentions there. I think when I sit down, I'm going to see what pops up in that moment. So I'm not going to try to yeah. pre-plan it. I'm just going to kind of let right. it pop up and see what my intention is for that moment. Yeah. And that's also a time when you, you will find yourself, if you look or if you notice, you'll find yourself possibly confronted with expectations of what this session is going to be like or should be like. Or if you had some recent session that seemed like it was a really great meditation session that you expect that that's going to happen again. And the mind is so variable and meditation experience is so variable. It's also really nice to just loosen those expectations at the beginning and just be willing to, to, as you said, see what's arising in the moment. Yeah. I'm glad you said that too. Cause I will, I mean, it's human nature to put expectations on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we all want to be hit in the face of a fire hose of relief and have all our anxieties right. dissipate. And I know that's not going to happen the first time I sit down. Yeah. And so and that's why I say loosen them because it's yeah. so normal that it's, it's not even like you can necessarily just drop or let go of those things, but just notice that you've got the expectations, try to, to loosen them and relax into more of an open and inviting mindset. Perfect. Yes. I'll definitely heed that and advice because I'm going to need it. So now the first part, and this would be like, if you, if you know, if you were in a place and 
and a group meditation and they were ringing a bell to get started. It's that the, the real beginning of the practice itself is with an act or a movement that I call, I would call placement. Okay. And that is where you are placing your attention on a particular focus. Okay. This is one of the most fundamental parts of many different meditation techniques, which is that you are going to place your attention on a focus and then you're going to use your awareness to notice when your mind has wandered off of that focus. Okay. So think about this for a moment. Right now, you and I are recording a podcast. We're on computers, we're on laptops, and we're looking at each other. Yeah. If you look around the room right now, just notice the objects and the colors that happen to be around you and, and observe those. And now bring your attention back to me, looking at me on the laptop. Your attention is on, and that's what you're paying attention to. The details of me and what I look like and what I'm saying is what you're attending to. But without losing that, you can also now notice that you're still aware of the things that you just looked at in the room without even taking your eyes off of me. You can be aware that they are there in your peripheral awareness, but it's not what you're focusing on. Okay. Got it. This distinction between attention and awareness is one of the first and most important pieces of having a good meditation practice because it's going to be your attention that is knowing and becoming familiar with something. And it is going to be your awareness that realizes, whoa, I was just trying to pay attention to my breath and I started thinking about what I'm going to do later today. And then Got you it. come back to the breath. So it's this, these two parts that are working in tandem together. One of them is kind of like a focused attention. And what that does is it starts to perceive the details of whatever you're paying attention to. Okay. And then the awareness, which knows what you're paying attention to. One of the analogies that strangely comes to mind whenever I think about this is if you were walking across the room with like a... a a ping pong ball or an egg in a spoon, and you're trying to keep that balanced, that paying attention to the spoon and, 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 and the ball and, and it not falling off and what you have to do with your hand and your arm, that's kind of like attention. Okay. You're really paying attention to all the details of that. And then not tripping over something and moving through space, that would sort of be your peripheral awareness. And that your mind is capable of wielding both of these things at the same time. It's a lot to coordinate at the beginning. And you're often not focused on your object of meditation for more than a couple seconds. But these are the factors that you're starting to learn and become familiar with in your mind, in experience, during meditation. So placement at the beginning of the session is placing your attention on your focus. Okay. And the focus that I recommend working with is the breathing. Okay. Or to be more precise, the sensations of breathing that you notice in your body. Okay. I don't mean some vague idea of the breath moving in and out or some visualized cloud of air or something like that. Just what you notice around your nostrils as air moves in and out of your, your nose, what you notice in your chest and torso and shoulders with the natural movement of breathing, these are the sensations that should be the focus of your meditation to begin So that's with. the egg on the spoon. That's right. I love that. I work through analogies. So that egg on the spoon walking through, I, I get it. I totally get it. There are a lot of advantages to to choosing and working with the breath over some other object, you, you, you could work with visual objects, right? You could, be, you could be staring at a stone instead of paying attention to your breath. You could be listening to sounds instead of paying attention to your breath. And, oh, I actually should mention right now that for people who have experienced certain traumas, Paying attention to the breathing or paying attention to what's going on in the body can be a total deal breaker and make it impossible to meditate or, or so difficult that it's not worth it. And in those cases, working with sounds, working with an external object is an awesome way to begin. It's, it's 
highly, highly recommended in those cases. But if you can work with the breathing, it has all sorts of advantages that are too long to get into right now. But I'll just say briefly, it's always happening without you even having to exert effort or do anything. So it's always with you in that particular way. And it's also always moving and changing enough that it's, it's, it really is good for keeping you rooted in the present moment because it's always happening and it's always slightly different in the present moment. So it's, it's, it's a really good focus in that way. That makes sense. So I think for me personally, because I want more of a mind-body connection, I'm going to go with the breath. I loved that you brought that up with the certain traumas and not being able to focus. I would have never thought of that because that could in itself bring up the trauma or the trauma response. And yeah. so maybe having a stone or a candle or something else to focus on, that's pretty cool. So those of us that are listening, I mean, figure out kind of what works for you. I'm personally going to go with the breath because I want that mind body connection. And like you said, I think there's a lot of benefits that I can get from that. So that's where I think I'm going to start. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, that sounds great to me. Definitely. And there's, yeah, there's nothing magical about the breath per se. And I think a lot of people get turned, turned off of meditation because they find tuning into the body at the beginning can actually be dysregulating. And it's, it's just not crucial if it's not working for you. So yeah, that's yeah. important. And, and the fact that you're going to start with the breath, that sounds good. I love the, the, emphasis on the mind-body connection. Yeah. Well, I say that now. I'm going to start it now, but who knows? It might be too overwhelming for me too that I might be like, ah, I need to focus on something else. I'm going to experiment over this yeah. next week and kind of see what yeah. makes it easy and guiding for me. Yeah. And here's a real important beginning step or principle, I would even say, to keep in mind at this very moment we're talking about in the practice. In the course of the session that you've chosen, don't change your object. Don't change your focus during the session and don't change the timing that you've chosen to sit. So it's like, it's not like what would a beginning pitfall would be, oh, you know, I decided I was going to sit for five minutes and I got to the cushion and it's been two minutes, but I kind of feel like this has been enough or I kind of feel like this has been too much and I'm going to just stop at two minutes. Really try not to do that. Really try once you've committed to a five minute session to stay there for the whole session, even if you kind of end up almost giving up and just just being there for the remainder of the session. And if you've decided, I'm going to work with the breath today, the sensations of breathing, don't suddenly decide to switch to a stone two minutes into it. Really try to figure out what you're going to pay attention to and how long you're going to do it and work with your habitual resistance and distraction that makes it not possible to do that right now. It's really important. The fact that you want to get up and the fact that your mind wants to find something else to do is one of the main things you are training against right now. You're training yourself out of some of those habits. And so sticking with the time and the focus without changing is of great value at this point. I absolutely love that you said that because that hits the avoidance technique. Like if it gets uncomfortable, we want to avoid things and walk away. And you're basically saying, you're learning how to have a better coping mechanism of sitting through it. And we see that with people that have like agoraphobia. They don't want to go out because they're avoiding. And that actually causes more anxiety. So you're kind of saying sit with it, go through it, move through it, and don't avoid those uncomfortable things if you pick the breath. Because the breath might bring up some hard things for me, right? Right. And right. it's more important that I sit through it than avoid it and switch to something else like focusing on a rock or a stone. I love that. Yeah. And everything within limits, you know, if, if a minute, two minutes into it, there really is something, you know, you're starting to have a panic attack or something like that. Of course, get up. It's not, none of this is meant to be, you know, brutality in any way. It's, it's, but the places where you can push yourself a little, that's where those growth edges will take place. And I, I think the place to push at the beginning is around time and focus and, and not changing those up. Okay. And then now the main maneuver of meditation that you're practicing in the beginning is you're going to get distracted over and over again. That's just going to happen. You should anticipate that 
Okay. And you should look for it and almost look forward to it. And, and, and what I, what I mean by that is at the beginning, you're not looking to have a five minute focused period of tranquility and balance. It's just very, very unlikely to happen. And even if it does, it's probably, it's probably accidental. (laughs) Placebo effect or something. Yeah. And so the thing to really be practicing and looking out for is this moment. I just noticed that I'm no longer focused on the breathing. I'm, I got distracted by something else, probably in the past or the future, I'm probably thinking about something that's, that's not actually what's happening right now. And to as kindly and gently as you can, just bring your attention back to the focus. You could almost imagine, like, gently, like, if you had a kitten that you placed on a table in front of you, and then the kitten wandered off somewhere else, and you just wanted to gently and kindly bring it back to the table, and to, to be non-judgmental and kind to yourself about the fact that you're noticing that you're getting distracted. That is just the moment of knowing what is the current state of your mind and there's no reason to judge that or to think that it should be any other way success right now is just seeing the state of your mind and every time you recognize distraction and come back that's precisely what you're doing okay that's a positive thing is what you're saying we look at that as a negative thing and you're saying that's actually a good thing to keep going off topic and practice bringing it back yeah to to use again the exercise analogy that we spoke about Mm in a podcast episode on meditation, that if you think about the reps in weight training, strength training, each time you lift a weight, you do a rep, and that is the thing that actually builds your, your muscle fibers, that this moment of getting distracted, noticing and coming back is the rep. That is the correct experience in meditation. So if you get distracted 10 times a minute and come back 10 times a minute, that is really good practice. You are training and recognizing distraction and coming back. And you probably won't be so lucky for it to work out that way at the beginning. Usually at the beginning, when you get distracted, you might be gone for a while before you even notice it and come back. But however long it is, there's no need to berate yourself or judge yourself. You could have a little half smile and think, wow, this is great. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm recognizing distraction and come right back. I love that. Cause I know that's going to happen to me. And that has happened to me before. Like I'll be in la la land for a couple minutes and not even know that I'm there kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. I have a huge plan that I already set up. So I, I thank you for this. Is there anything else on top of that? Or are we good to go or what's the next steps? Really, I think that the the next step would be to to do this for the next seven days. Okay. And then we will meet again to talk about how's it going? What are you observing? What are you running into? And all of the further instruction and what we talk about will kind of branch off from there. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And, and I'm going to record some of this and maybe even take some pictures of my my spot that I'm going to set up. So you'll be able to see kind of my journey, the listeners and that's great. And you, Dave, everybody will be able to kind of see how I'm, I'm doing this. Awesome. Sounds really good. Perfect. Well, thanks for meeting with me today. I feel excited. Really. I honestly feel excited. I feel hopeful. Uh, I had all those, those simple questions that were giving me a hard time answered. So I think this will be great. Sounds great, Eric. Good luck with your practice. Okay, so I just got off uh, the recording with Dave about meditation, and I'm going to go out to my garage, uh, and that's what I'm doing now. I'm recording this via the iPhone, so sorry if the recording's not that great. Um, But I'm going out to the garage now. I'm going to try to find my meditation spot. Uh, Opening up the garage. And, yeah... I don't know if there's a spot out here for me to do it. I'm kind of thinking this might not be realistic. I'm going to wake up at 530 in the morning, walk into my garage, 
and try to do meditation. It's probably going to be too much of a hurdle for me to even want to do this. So I'm thinking I might just stay inside, find a corner. I don't know. Got to figure this out. Okay. It's uh, day two of meditation. I got to kind of keep my voice down because it's early in the morning before everybody got up. Uh, I found a spot that I'm doing it in. So I have a couple pillows, a couple for my legs and my back. Uh, I'm finding that my thoughts are already going about work that I actually haven't let any of them go. I'm thinking about clients and um, who I need to see and what I need to do. I haven't had any uh, break from that. So I'm going to try to start meditation here soon. And I'm going to take Dave's advice of just kind of going through my checklist first, let that happen, and then go into my meditation and see how that happens. Okay, wish me luck. I'm definitely experiencing a bunky mind. I'm having a hard time just sitting still. I'm feeling my heartbeat. It's also made me realize how out of shape I am. I sit most of the day, so it feels like I'm getting what they call C-spine or uh, kyphosis. And that was on my mind. Um, brought up, you know, I need to stretch more. But definitely lots of thoughts. Lots of monkey mind. Lots of things that don't make sense. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast, and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.